0: Welcome to the Black Hat Chat Podcast with Lee Johnson and Reverend Kai, a weekly show about living as a modern crafter where two witches discuss a variety of topics concerning magic and witchcraft. You can also catch us live on Fridays at 4pm GMT on YouTube or Twitch. The links are in the description of the podcast or in the About section. So grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea and let's begin. Right. Can anybody hear me now?
1: Anybody hear Lee? Now? Yes. We got a yes.
0: We got a yes. Was that a yes for my mic? Okay. There we go. Don't. Sorry. Round
1: on. Alrighty. Sorry.
0: Don't know We're... what happened there. It, it 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 deleted my mic for some reason. Right. We did
1: change our settings this morning. We are no longer streaming on Twitch.
0: Because.
1: We just weren't getting much engagement there. Yeah. So we're streaming on both of our YouTubes now.
0: All right then. So, reverse, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Welcome to the Black Hat Chat everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, depending on where you are in the world. Um, this is a collaboration between myself and Reverend Kai over there. It's just two witches that get together every Friday. At this time, and do a little little nitter natter chatter on the live stream. Uh, we have changed things slightly. We used to stream to this channel or to my channel and to the uh, uh, the Twitch channel. We are now not doing the Twitch. We are now doing both our YouTube channels. So it's my channel, PW Johnson, and Kai's channel, which is across the hedge. So please go and sign up for Across the Hedge. Uh, Links are in the description. I made sure they should be. I I did change them today. (laughs) so They should be. We never know. Technical difficulties. Hopefully.
1: We all have our shit together. Yeah.
0: If if they are not there now, I will go change them after this. Um, But go sign up there just in case I have problems with my stream and then you can switch over to there and watch. Here I will drop a link
1: in the chat too. Because you never know.
0: Never know. (laughs) Never know. You know, when witches start trying to use technical things, it gets a bit funny sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Oh, the other stuff. Uh, if If you would like to join our Patreon or buy me a coffee, please do so. We have various tiers now. So we're not just doing, please support us. We are also doing, you can get lessons in stuff like tarot, cartomancy, demonolatry, and we'll add a whole load of other stuff about magic and witchcraft, chaos, magic, everything else. Uh, I'm sure that'll come up sometime in the future. So if you'd like to join there, get a membership, uh, please do. There We also have the Wildwood Temple Facebook group. If you are looking for a community of like-minded people, And uh, I think that's all the announcements now. Right, so today we are talking about karma, dogma, and reincarnation. And when it comes to karma, I think uh, the saying, uh, bitch is a karma, or karma is a bitch, uh, and all of those sayings, my favorite has always been, I'm sorry, I drove over your dogma with my karma. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to karma, there's a, there is a real big mis- misunderstanding. I think it, it, it seems to have become this system of point or like a point system or a scoring system. So if we do something bad, it, it, it scores against us. If we do something good, then it scores for us. But it's not that at all. Karma is uh, a sans- Sanskrit word which actually means action. So Mm-hmm. It's the actions you take in life which drive your future forward. Um, obviously, you know, I I, I do think the, the whole idea of the point system does come from that, though. It's just taken a bit out of context because, obviously, if we do things that are good in our lives, then, you know, what drives us forward obviously makes our life better, makes the the environment better, the community better, the world better, and everything else. And obviously the opposite, uh, if we do bad things. Um, But it's a bit more complex than that.
1: Well, yeah, I think that, you know, the mistranslation has happened Is these Eastern ideas were simplified Mm. and taken out of their cultural context and then used as as small little... um, buzzwords, and they almost became um, just detached vocabulary words um, mm. through that process and, and time and use in Western occult pagan communities.
0: Yeah. Uh, Lou actually asked, what is good and bad? Good question, yeah. actually. Um,
2: depends on your culture. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, it does. It really does. But I mean... Generally I mean if you had to uh, go outside and murder your neighbor right now just for the fun of it that would be considered bad um, it wouldn't be very good for you it wouldn't be very good for your your or your neighborhood um, but at the same time I mean this whole discussion comes in as well with um, sorry <coughs> with um, the threefold uh, the the law of three um, and things like that from Wicca. Um, there's always been the argument that you know if somebody walks into a shop and steals a loaf of bread, is that bad? Not necessarily because that person could have children who are starving and they need need a loaf of bread and they've got no money and they need to feed the children. Doesn't make it bad, then, does it? But so this whole debate of what is good and bad is a bit difficult. It's subjective. Uh, it does fit into your culture. Uh, Rihanna said, I believe in an eye for an eye. Yeah. And if somebody Some does, people do. Yeah, if somebody, somebody does something really bad to you, then, you know, sometimes they need to. Uh, that's where the karma uh, uh, is a bit comes in.
1: Well, I mean, if your cu- culture is community focused. Or if it's based on honor, or if it's based on uh, individual, or if it's based on a spiritual progress, that's all going to affect what you think is good and bad, what you think is reasonable reaction and cause for action and that sort of thing. Cause those are all cultural laws,
2: mm.
1: you know, that determine what is considered correct, right however you want to phrase it. So, you know, I um, for an I may work in a certain culture, but in another culture that would be considered terrible yeah. because it doesn't make sense according to that culture's loss.
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember many, many years ago when my dad used to work at the factory, um, he, he came home with an interesting story. One of the black guys, Zulu guy, he came into my dad's office with a, a new watch on his wrist, and uh, he says, look at, my, look at my watch, it's really nice. He says, my dad said, where did you get that from? He said, oh, I stole it from my brother. So what do you mean you stole it from your brother? He said, well, he stole my radio last week, so I went and stole his watch. It was like normal. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So it, it, definitely that cultural thing as well.
1: Oh, and there are cultural ideas also about like communal property, you mm. know, where family property is family property. It doesn't belong to any one person. And there's, there's a lot of stuff like that, and not just in Eastern cultures. There's wide variation through Western cultures and through many others too. I mean, we're kind of talking about the East-West today, but I don't want to forget that there's plenty of cultures and ideas and paganism influences that fall outside of those definitions.
0: Mm. I mean, you know, I mean, karma itself is an Eastern philosophy.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, <clears throat> Scarlet Trist, hello Scarlet Trist, yeah, it's, it's, it said depends on what the neighbor did. Yeah. It um, also said uh, what is the context of the karma, good, evil? Well there is no context to it in that terms because karma is action so depending on what action you take as we said it's going to lead your life forward. Um, if you're constantly doing things that are harming others you know, it's going to affect your community, it's going to affect your environment and it's going to affect you in a negative way. Um, Whereas if you're doing things to help your community, it's going to affect you in a better way. Uh, It doesn't necessarily mean that either or is good or evil, it's just the actions that you're taking. So you take an action, it has an effect. So, you know, I I really don't think it can boil down to good and evil actions.
1: I don't think that's a good way to slice it. Good and evil are concepts that come out of Western Christianity. Mm, And while there are things we could point to and say are evil or are holy or are good in Buddhism, because karma is a Buddhist concept, um, or in Hinduism, the, the culture and mythology that Buddhism is largely rooted in, but it's not that bad (laughs) Buddhism is a philosophy and a practice but um it's not the same as Mm. the western concept of good and evil that has this overarching faded story that goes with it um especially with modern pop culture and all of the heaven and hell battles and demons and angels and everything that are popular in our stories right now, mm. um, the assumptions behind good and evil and the big backstories that go with that, I think it's, it's important that we don't just wholesale export that um, or look at other cultures through that lens because then we lose a bunch of nuance. I mean, it could absolutely be said that karma is the law of cause and effect. That is one way to translate it, you know, but that is definitely not the whole story. No. Stripping away all of the cultural story that goes with it makes a mess of it. You know, karma means action, deed, um, thing that we do, mm. you know, but it's also inheritance. We inherit our karma yeah so you know there there's different ideas there i find a lot of parallels in um heathen ideas because heathenry has a huge huge root in proto-indo-european thought and worldview. we think we're pretty sure i mean this is constructing history that wasn't written down so you know nothing's absolute but there's a lot of similarities looking at the uh, vedas and the eddas and looking at you know hindu mythology and heathen mythology and Mm -hmm. a lot of concepts are very similar and i find karma and dharma to be one of those things that has several similarities with weird and orlay they're not exactly the same they're not understood the same but there's there's things that go together where you could say these perhaps have a common root
0: Actually, I was watching something today which uh, I thought it was a brilliant representation of the whole concept of good and evil and the Christian concept of good and evil compared to other cultures. Um, I don't know if you've watched the series called Evil.
1: Oh, I haven't yet. It's in my queue. Yeah,
0: it's actually very good. But uh, oh, I'm going to give you spoilers now. There was There's this one episode where a little girl gets possessed by a jinn and... So the Catholic Church comes along to do an exorcism. And when the priest gets there, there's uh, somebody from the Islamic Church. I can't remember the terminology. Uh, Because the jinn is is Islamic. And Mm -hmm. uh, they were having this argument about the whole thing. And uh, the Islamic guy uh, said, you know, you consider demons to be purely just that evil. That's it. But these are jinn. They were, may have been born from shaitan, but they were given a choice. And some of them decided to go to God and some of them decided to follow shaitan. So they're neither good nor evil and we have to give them the choice. And it was right. that whole fight of, you know, one just purely going black and white and the other one actually understanding that there is there is some kind of balance there. Um, so I'm going off topic again.
1: There's a lot of... Look at the tangents around this. Oh, way.
0: I know. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be going a lot, off, a lot off topic today, I think.
1: Stitching
0: back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lou said, "What about the idea of what serves you and what doesn't serve you?" Yeah, I suppose you could look at it that way. But it's also not just what serves and doesn't serve you. It's also what serves your community um, and your environment, because.
1: Well, Buddhism isn't an individualistic practice. So what serves you personally and what doesn't serve you personally is a factor, but it is definitely not the most important.
0: Unless we look or to Hinduism.
1: Hinduism is different and Ooh. it does have um the concept of karma sometimes, depending upon the culture. Um it's it's kind of like saying the English and Protestantism are the same, English culture and Protestant religion are the same.
2: Mm. they're
1: not you know, but there's a lot of things that are woven in from one and the other um, but I would really hesitate to put it as what serves you and what doesn't serve you um, as related to karma because that's a really western idea, mm. Uh, of what serves me and what doesn't serve me and I think it's I think it's too far from the concept of karma
0: mm.
1: to be in there.
0: Yeah. Uh, must be, hi, how are you? Um, Rihanna, I agree kindly. I am saying, I'm not saying that I have my swords out the whole time, but because I'm a loyal person, and respect people and their actions, I don't want anything Less than that. Look, as we said, it depends on the situation, the circumstances, and the culture. Um, I mean, if, if somebody threatened my daughter, I wouldn't really give two hoots about who said what and what about karma or whatever. Um, you know, I'd take action. That would be my action. And was, if there's any consequences, I'll suffer it. So, but, uh, you know, generally speaking, uh, when it comes down to karma, it's it is about how it, it, it's actually about how you want to live your life And how you want your future to be I suppose um, Well,
1: your future life. Yes Karma really isn't tied into the idea of reincarnation and as I understand it all all um, Non-disclaimers here. I'm not Buddhist mm. and While I've read about it, I have not practiced it and studied it. So I am not speaking from a place of authority at all in this case. Um, But as I understand karma, karma is the cause and effect explanation for the caste system. How people end up in variety. Those who have influence and those who... um, have no power, the poor and the rich, the low-born and the high-born, why people are wise and why some people are ignorant, Uh, why some people are beautiful and why some people are ugly, why some people are healthy and why some people are diseased. It is because of karma. And karma is action, but it's also the inheritance of action. So it is your kinsmen and your home and where you're born It is the underlying cause for the things which we cannot explain that we inherit in this life. And as we work out our karma, as we work through it, we are laying the foundation for the next life or perhaps achieving um, samsara and getting off the wheel,
2: Mm.
1: which is kind of the ultimate goal to get off of the wheel of incarnation or suffering, and get out of the physical form. And laying good karma that moves you through that system so that you are better able to achieve samsara or nirvana is part of the process, but it's, it's intimately tied in with reincarnation because it's a big, slow process. What you do in this life affects what where you start in the next. And, but your, your family and relations are all tied into that too. So it kind of depends on who you're talking to how individual that idea is, that there are some choices you can make that have that align your karma in the way you want to go. But there are some things that are out of your control. Also, um, that and this is where we get the idea sometimes that karma is fate
0: mm, that's definitely you know mm.
1: there are there are things that are just going to happen there are experiences you have to go through uh that sort of thing and that's also pointed to as karma again cause and effect you have to do this because in a previous life this happened
0: mm. uh Rihanna asked uh, is it not just to take responsibility for your actions no, I don't believe so. No. Um, I mean, if, if you consider... From a Buddhist point of view, um, after we die, we then... Our karma gets judged or weighed or whatever. I'm not sure about yeah. the terminology. There's it,
1: not really like another entity that does it. It's no. just like it plugs into the universe and it happens.
0: Yeah. But your next life, depending on what happened um, and the karma you built up, from from a Buddhist perspective, you could uh, devolve or move backwards into an animal or uh, hungry ghosts or whatever it is uh, in the lower realms, instead of actually coming back as a human or you know progressing spiritually uh, forward within in the next life. So if you take a serial killer, for instance, they have no worries about harming people um they probably take responsibility for every action they take but from that perspective it probably wouldn't mean they would progress spiritually um, they would probably move backwards because of the actions they've taken during life which is harming people harming the community you know etc etc and it's 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 difficult it's a difficult topic especially yeah when karma
1: isn't just spiritual either dharma is spiritual Mm. Dharma is like the metaphysical stuff we can't really explain, you know, that's working out on a level above us. Karma is like, well, karma and Utu are are where we are in the physical manner. But um, karma is also life force playing out because it is also the cause for new life karmic energy that accumulates and therefore can is the cause of conception mm. or, or life inhabiting because that karmic energy has to build up to the point where there is enough for it to punch through and be life on this plane, on this physical manifestation. And then it, it plays out until that is... Completed, I guess. And it's um, sometimes death is said as, you know, the karmic energy has dissipated. The karma is complete. It's not in the big scheme of things, but for this lifetime it is. Mm. Um, I did have someone explain it to me as a candle one time. You know, the, the divine spark has to come in and unite with the karmic energy, the potential in the candle to get it to light and it lights, and then that potential burns through and consumes and transforms the candle, and that's a lifespan. And eventually, you're out of fuel. There's not any more, and that is complete. That doesn't mean the divine spark is now gone. It means it has completed its manifestation, it's burned through all its fuel in this incarnation.
2: Mm.
1: And it will happen again but that's the idea that all fire is fire, it's not separate fires, Yeah, you know, that's probably confusing.
0: <laughs> it, the, the, the whole topic is confusing, I mean, I, I studied Buddhism for about six months last year, um, it didn't really agree with me, uh, but it's just, it is so difficult to actually try and understand some of the concepts, and usually it's because they, they don't explain it properly. Uh, you know, well, you read book after book after book and listen to this person, listen to that person, they carry it on in this terminology and then all of a sudden you pick up one book and it just makes it so clear because it's written from a Western point of view. Yeah. Um, Rihanna said, uh, so if I can't end my karma, I'll always come back and then start the cycle again. So can you end your karma ever? Sorry, I have always struggle to understand this topic yes you can it's uh, what kai was saying earlier about you reach samsara which so you kind of go off the wheel spin off the wheel enlightenment
1: enlightenment, enlightenment. you get off the wheel of suffering you stop the cycle you
0: which s- is stop the goal
1: of many buddhist practices mm. it is that is that's the purpose and one thing i've always found interesting is i know plenty of people that are buddhist heathen have had those kinds of philosophies in their life but i don't know hardly any traditional witch buddhists mm. those combos don't work because i think that incarnation is a goal of traditional witches when we believe in reincarnation we want to come here and do the work and we want to come back again and again or stay involved, even if we're not in corporeal forms, we want to hang around as ghosts and ancestors and mentors and part of the mighty dead. We don't want to get off the wheel. Mm. But the goal of Buddhism is to get off the wheel of reincarnation and stop that at some point. And sometimes it's understood as going on to something else sometimes it's understood as just ending suffering. Uh, sometimes it's described as union with God or Godhead becoming part of divinity um, depends on the flavor of Buddhism, Uh, just like the flavor of heaven changes depending upon which Christianity you sprinkle in. But traditional witchcraft doesn't seem to jive with that concept. And so those two ideas don't go together very well and I don't find many people who have that overlap in
2: practice.
0: No. That actually reminds me of uh, Toltec as well. Um, the whole idea of doing recapitulation in order to get your power back. Uh, and the, the goal there is to bypass the eagle. So you don't actually get reincarnated, and the eagle doesn't consume your, your power and right. everything else. So you bypass the eagle and you become a linear being. So it's the same concept, really. You get off the wheel. Um,
1: and in, in heathen thought which may be modern maybe ancient i don't know uh the idea is you you bypass the eagle the winds of death that erase your memory so that when you reincarnate you remember all of your previous lives mm. so yeah lots of variation in there
0: yeah well <laughs> it all ties over and overlaps here and there everywhere and so <laughs> all right should we talk about dogma i'm not really sure what we can talk about what we can say about dogma um so
1: you know, I think karma and dogma only go together because of that joke.
0: Probably. <laughs>
1: because they aren't... They aren't... Dogma isn't an Eastern concept. It has nothing to do with Buddhism. No. It's just...
0: But it's a good joke.
1: But it's a joke that's, <laughs> that's tied them together in a weird, weird way. Because people will come in... Um, like, when I've been working in a metaphysical shop and will seriously ask me to do a reading on their karma and their dogma. Huh? And I'm always like, you mean dharma? you they're like, no. And I'm like, okay. Let's have a talk first because I don't think that means what you think it means. And you don't think it means what I think it means. <laughs> you know?
0: No. Although, I mean, the joke itself, uh, I wrote, what? I drove over your Your dogma with my karma. My
1: karma ran over your dogma.
0: Yeah, I think it's actually a a, um, a bit of a play on the Western and Eastern cultures. Uh, Western being the dogma and Eastern being the karma. Um, Well. And that fight between the two.
1: But also my karma, my actions, my choices to live a better life, to pursue enlightenment, ran over your dogma, the stuff that you say I must believe without question.
2: Mm.
1: you know I mean it's a semi-enlightened funny pun that still has that you don't know what I'm talking about aspect to it <laughs> you know I worship the old ones <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: but what I mean what is dogma it's just it really is you, you just said it now actually um, it's just that thing you, you're supposed to believe in without question I mean we don't have dogma
1: no in witchcraft we have mysteries
0: mm. and
1: there's nothing against questioning the mysteries go question the mysteries as much as you possibly can it is a primary witchy activity um that doesn't mean you can tell anybody about them mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mystery it's kind of one of the things it's ineffable. it's really hard to get around and word it and convey. Mm. Um but it has the same mystique to it that dogma sometimes has. Because for people who live within that culture and um are in that worldview very firmly, dogma can be an expression of higher mystery. It's the things that just are. Mm and we don't know why, and the contemplation of those can lead to a sort of enlightened state. Um, Now, of course, if you're not part of that culture or you're not adopting that worldview, then that's not gonna work because you're gonna say things like, my karma ran over your dogma, meaning I choose not to do this. I choose not to believe this. I choose not to pick this up and make it part of the uh, house I build for my heart. Mm. You know? So, but dogma is also not just, like, a Catholic thing or a Protestant thing or, you know, uh, Islamic thing. In general, general, It's generally associated with Christianity because they have dogma as a place um, in a lot of their culture where it does occupy something like a mystery. Mm. Whereas, you know, like in Judaism everybody questions everything and, and talks about everything and you know reads the Torah and the Jewish Bible and tries to figure it out there's no dogma there even though there could be in the idea of kind of universal beliefs but those are still all questioned
0: yeah they're always you always know. questioning it, studying it trying to understand it mm-hmm. better not just that go on faith type of uh, aspect.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. All
0: right. And right. yeah. Go on. I ahead. don't know.
1: I think perhaps there are points in modern paganism, uh, and definitely in heathenry, where things become dogmatic.
2: Hmm.
1: The weird thing is, is dogma involves authority, and those paths all tend to be anti-authority or the authority is very small in its application. I mean, we could say that Gardner was an authority in Gardnerian Wicca when he was alive, as are the high priestesses that have taken over the lineage and are now the tradition holders and the elders, right? So if they say something is incontrovertibly true, this is absolutely the way it is, and they're the authority, that could be said to be dogma within those traditions.
2: Mm, However, is, yeah.
1: I don't know that you can say across the board that Wicca or uh, heathenry or any particular branch of paganism is by its nature dogmatic.
0: Yeah, I suppose you, you, you could get covens where which have a high priest and priestess who say, this is it, um, believe it without question. Uh, but that's just in a small unit.
1: It's a yeah, it's a very small influence. And I mean that could happen, but I don't think we could say it of of the culture. Like in Catholicism there is dogma. Mm. There is stuff in Catholicism that an authority says is absolutely true.
0: And everybody has to know. believe it, yeah.
1: Right. Mm. But I I mean it can happen in other traditions and places, but, um, it, it doesn't naturally arise. And I think there's plenty of people in, under the pagan umbrella that have left dogmatic traditions and therefore they don't want it in mm-hmm. their current tradition.
0: Yeah. No, we don't like being told what to do. Right. Yeah. All right. Should we take a quick break and then come back and talk about reincarnation? Cause we can cover a lot more with that. Because it's Eastern, Western, and everywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, if you are still with us, um, we are going to take a quick break. If you want to just check out the links in the description below, please do so. Uh, if the Patreon and uh, Buy Me a Coffee link are not in there, or Kai's channel, uh, I will put them in afterwards. I know I put them in settings but i'm not sure if they're in the live so i will have to double check i'm very sorry um <laughs> just check out the links we've got patreon we've got buy me a coffee where you can support us or you can get uh some lessons uh some online classes and we have wildwood temple facebook group which you can go join a uh, nice community of like-minded people all right so we'll uh, wait I've, I've also got a put my pause on today because I'm streaming from this side also. I got so so used to not doing anything in the past few weeks. (laughs) (laughs) All right, hang on. I've just got to find the right window here. There we go. All right. Thank you. We'll be back in a minute. Go grab yourself some more coffee, get some popcorn and everything else. Cheerio. If you would like to support us, or learn more about magic and witchcraft, then check out our tiers on Patreon and buy me a coffee. that's patreon.com forward slash blackhatchat or buymeacoffee.com forward slash blackhatchat. You can join us around the hearthfire once a month for a witchy chat, or sign up for some online classes in tarot and cartomancy with Reverend Kai or Demonolatry with Lee Johnson. Just check in the description of this podcast or in the About section for the links to those channels. Hello, everybody. We are back with the Black Hat Chat. And today we are talking about Karma, Dogma and Reincarnation. Right, well now we are going to talk about reincarnation Um, Moving on from a Buddhist perspective that is the one concept that really I could not get my head around at all because all my life I thought Buddhists believe in reincarnation and then I was reading something and it said no it is not called reincarnation it is called something else and I was trying to understand this concept and I just couldn't it's, it's more of a sort of a progress. Reincarnation would, I suppose, um, indicate that you, you lead a life, you die, you go down or up or wherever, and then you come back into another life. That would reincarnate you. Whereas I think their concept is more like, it's just a progress. So, you know, you just, it's cycles. Is a bit different.
1: Yeah. So it's usually translated as rebirth instead of reincarnation. Mm. And I think that's an important distinction um, because rebirth implies a physicality.
2: Yeah. You know,
1: people talk about reincarnating to another plane. You can't, rebirth doesn't imply that. But also reincarnation has got a lot of ideas attached to it these days. You know, Mm. um, so the cycle is samsara and that is, um, go through life, learn things, hopefully do things, act out karma, and then time to get on the wheel again and do it again.
2: Mm. And
1: hopefully each previous cycle, um, on samsara has worked out good karma that results in progression. And it is kind of like you got to do all this stuff. You got to be this and this and this and this and this. There's this whole uh, cosmic syllabus uh, of lessons to tick off Mm. on your cycle of samsara. But there is a process where you do not work your karma. You do not do your deeds. You do not have actions and so when the karmic energy is depleted and it's time to be infused again and it's time to go through the cycle again you just repeat Mm. because you're still there you have not completed the task that was set so um it it's kind of like samsara only moves forward but you still must push the wheel which is karma, which is taking actions. Um, Because if you don't push the wheel, then you are stuck in the same place. It's Groundhog Day. And each rebirth, each life is going to be the same. Now, I have heard some people talk about going backwards, so to speak, with the idea that there are lower levels, especially animals and insects and that sort of thing that are lesser life forms but i've also heard some people say that well if you can't learn it here then samsara will auto load you up with an easier character which is what we would think of as going backwards Mm. kind of thing um so you know if you didn't you didn't get if you didn't if you didn't get it at this level of difficulty the universe just drops you down a level of difficulty, but you're still learning the same skills, lessons, still working out the same karma. So it's still progressing forward, yeah. but it may not look like it is, which is sometimes why you meet a fox that needs to learn about money exchange when you make a weird deal, you know? <laughs>
0: Those foxes. <laughs> <laughs> I've also... Uh... I heard it uh, explained in terms of Kundalini um, and the energy that moves up Sushumna. Uh, anybody who doesn't know what Sushumna is, it's the central channel that goes from the root to the crown and you progressively move your energy up uh, Sushumna. Um, but in that, in those terms uh, I found it quite interesting because it was explained as if somebody has progressed far enough in one life, when they come back in the next life, their energy has reached a certain chakra, and uh, when they're born, so they don't have to start. You know, if they're going to practice kundalini, they don't have to start uh, raising that energy from the root. It's already at a certain point. And if we then look into Buddhism in the aspect of if you do move backwards, so you go from human to becoming animal or hungry ghost or whatever. or just stick to animal. Um, The lower chakras below, I think, animals and humans share the root and muladhara, I think it was, but then Mm -hmm. their chakras go further down, which we don't have. So Mm -hmm. there's that whole thing of your energy kind of moving up and down this energy channel, depending on what you did in your previous life, it's going to be at a certain point. So if it's lower than your root, you're probably going to come back as an animal, um, which I found quite interesting. Lady Capera, hello. How are you doing? I am an initiated Kali Bhakta. Oh, cool. Okay. You should probably be on this chat then. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. We should have found some some experts who know what they're talking about. Yeah. We need to do that more often.
0: I think I think um, I think in the future I will get get Lady Capera on.
1: And and you know, there are there is variation. In the concepts of reincarnation in Buddhism, mm-hmm. there are different uh, traditions that have different ideas about just how it works um, and how everything is structured. And then reincarnation doesn't just go with Buddhism; it's a big, wide belief
2: oh, yeah. over
1: yeah. lots and lots of cultures. Um, so you know, the cycle of samsara, the the wheel, is. Yeah definitely a buddhist idea um but moksha the liberation the being removed from the cycle of reincarnation well that's the buddhist word for it uh that's not just a buddhist idea either there are plenty of other traditions that have something whether it's a goal that humans can influence or something that just happens the idea that reincarnation eventually ends Hmm. And sometimes it ends in nothingness, and sometimes it ends in something else. So,
0: no. uh, Lady Coopera, I'm not even going to try and say that because I'll I'll, I'll probably insult somebody. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, yeah, but I I, I think the uh, the idea of you know reincarnation and getting off the wheel. Is quite interesting, especially when you compare it to, as you said, traditional witchcraft, where that's not the the end, the aim or the end goal. Um, we want to keep coming back. Um, I'm just wondering why that is. There, are, uh, we did actually mention this previously. In why event. we
1: want to keep coming back? No, yeah,
0: why we don't want to get off the wheel? Um,
1: because it's here.
0: No, I know, I know, I know. Um, But I remember a while back we had a discussion about um, enlightenment. Um, People always wanting to become enlightened and we said in traditional witchcraft that's not even an aspect. Um, But there is still a progression, I think, you know, between lives. there's There's a growth that happens. Uh, well,
1: especially, I mean, in, in my stream of traditional witchcraft, part of the process of initiation was your initiator doing the magical work to release the veil between lives so that you could learn from your previous lives and you could remember everything you had already learned. Hmm. That was one of the points of initiation and somebody trained to do that comes in and And takes all the muck out of the way for you so you can actually go back and start you know gathering that wisdom with the idea being that you will bring that to your family of witches and everybody grows
2: Mm. because
1: i mean if we're going to stand on the shoulders of giants we have to know what happened you know um so i think that's an interesting very practical way To point to reincarnation must be a super old belief for witches to get to the point where it's just like, well, we have to do this work, you know, so that we can use this. Because, I mean, to me, that's kind of the essence of witchcraft. How can I use this? (laughs) 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 How can I do something for betterment with this?
0: No, But now in traditional witchcraft, we've got the mastermen. And from my understanding, those are you see that they still come back, don't they?
1: You don't necess- necessarily always have to come back in a body. Yeah. But you never stop your involvement with here. Yeah. And the why of that, in my understanding, is because here, this manifestation is the union with the
0: divine. Yeah, it's in the middle as well.
1: It's where we can experience the range that is life and highs and lows ecstasy and union and disunion and where we live out the purpose of of life itself is participation in the ever-present creation Mm. because we are divine and it's what must be done to experience union with the divine with ourselves meaning all of all of life on the planet so to get out of that is antithetical to life itself and we wouldn't be here if we didn't have a desire for life itself that's the that makes us manifest into this world
0: it actually makes more sense to me um well the, re- the reason being you No, crafter yeah i know i know i know <laughs> but uh considering both concepts um Oh no! I've forgotten what I was going for. <laughs> yes, sorry. We we no, it wasn't you. It was me. Um, we are here now, and as you said, we are divine, and we here and now we we connect with with divinity. Whereas the concept of trying to get off the wheel so that we can go somewhere else to have that union with divinity is creating the concept that we're actually separated from it. And I don't believe we are separated, I don't believe we are ever separated from, from divinity. We are divine beings. We are gods and goddesses. Um, so that whole concept of needing to go to somewhere else to connect or have union with divinity, as I say, it separates us. Um, you should <laughs> write down your questions, Lee. yes, I know. I keep moaning, it, moaning it at them write down your questions because they all forget <laughs> uh, Lady Capera, i got to run piece one and all uh, Lee can message me about interview on about section of my YouTube channel I'll do that thanks thanks Lady Capara. Um yes so now where was I there are,
1: there are words I can't remember and I, they're like there
0: on the tip of your I can't tongue. get them all,
1: I can't get them all the way into my mouth um, so <laughs> there is a, a divide in worldview um, I can't remember the words and, and my students would thump me over the head because this is in like vocabulary week one <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, there is a divided worldviews and rarely are these blended occasionally one of them is that God or divinity is outside of the world.
2: Mm.
1: Sometimes um, God was in it, in the creatrix phase, and they made it and then they left, or sometimes they had to pull away to make space for creation, and then they're moving back in uh, kind of thing, but it's not complete. Um, And then there is the welling up within idea that divinity is here. Sometimes divinity is within the physical form. The physical form is seen as a cloak, uh, holdu, some kind of uh, hiding, occulting. Uh, sometimes the it's uh, like fungus is my favorite way to describe it. Uh, the mushrooms are the bit we see. They're the fruiting bodies. But the fungus itself is this massive, huge network that is nearly invisible under the soil and connects and communicates with everything and provides massive amounts of life through its unique transformation abilities. And so divinity is seen like that, in that the manifestations of physical realm is the the fruiting bodies, the bits we can see, but underneath the surface, there is this massive network of communication and uh, transfer and, and creation of life from death, that process that we can't see, that we can't perceive because we're on the life side of things
2: hmm.
1: you know so those two worldviews of of divinity is in here divinity is out there tend to be one of the the dividing lines for how we relate our worldviews our concepts to one another and if you think divinity is out there and the goal is to be with divinity most of us really like that ecstasy kind of process many of us are drawn to that as a spiritual thing although not everyone then it makes sense to get out of here and go there Mm. right but if divinity's in here then you don't want to leave you want to come back as often as you can
0: yeah wouldn't that be also be the difference between esoteric and exoteric esoteric being divinity is beyond um and therefore you you uh pray to divinity outside yourself whereas as exoteric is within
1: i mean it could be i've never heard the terms used that way
0: yeah so i've always understood
1: there are terms for what i talked about that are words that remember. mean exactly what i said and then one of them starts with trans and one of them starts with "inta," but it's the Latin root that goes after the prefixes that batteries and I can't remember what
0: they are. Yeah. Just <laughs> put your mouth over this way. I'll push it in quickly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh,
1: it's on cards, if I have
2: any cards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, then. There we go. All right. That's reincarnation for you. Thank you very much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think we should talk about <laughs> the... The Tradwitch version of reincarnation. Now, of course, you know, you ask a Tradwitch one question, you'll get at least two answers. So (laughs) there's no set thing. But I think I heard this story of Keridwyn's Cauldron from Peter Mm Padden long ago. I've heard it retold in many, many ways. Um, that there is the Cauldron of life constantly boiling and moving right? Carradwin stirs the cauldron. And this life can be thought of like soup, like veggie soup with potatoes and some meat in it and everything else. The longer you boil that, the more the bits break down. They flavor the broth, they're still there, they don't disappear, but they're no longer solid. They just dissolve into the liquid. And that dissolution is actually the goal because it is communicating in union with everything it is a goal of the cauldron of life and when we die we go into the cauldron and when we are born we come out of the cauldron so when we go in we are all of our experiences and our knowledge and everything else which might be you know a nice tasty potato or a chunk of beef or maybe you're a bay leaf whatever you go in the soup and get stirred around and boiled down and dissolved in this process. Um, that is pulling things apart and making use of your nutrients, the knowledge you bring, the experiences you have, the life that feeds life. But the more you develop your will, the more you hold together, you're made of sterner stuff, You're a real grizzly chunk of meat instead of a soft old potato. Right. And so going into the cauldron, you still go through those processes. You still go through the dissolution, but you hold together better. So when Caradwin ladles out a new life, you might go fairly whole. Mm. And therefore, when the veils between lives are removed and you can peer into the cauldron and remember who you were, you're more likely to get bigger chunks because your will has held them together.
0: Mm, I actually remember that explanation. It was very really good. Yeah, it's, like, it's, 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 it's a bit like cosmic soup as well. Um, but when, when you do get thrown into the cauldron without that will, without that strong will, when you get thrown into the cauldron, that's when all of your experiences and memories and everything actually mixes with everybody else's. So when somebody does get scooped out, quite often, it's not just that person previously, it's a whole bunch of people. Right, Um, because
1: everybody's dissolved in there and different bits float together,
0: mm, you know. Yeah.
1: Which is why there are 7,000 people that were Cleopatra.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Because Cleopatra was apparently strong flavored and it's been a very long time since she's been in the soup, but so her flavor has permeated all things.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to go there. Bad <laughs> brain, bad brain, bad brain. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I was Cleopatra's dojo, but. That...
1: <laughs> <laughs> the ivory one? <laughs> um, that idea of reincarnation, I think, has to have some sort of roots in northern European, old, indigenous ideas, maybe. And um, so how that develops through various cultures is interesting in that there's not a lot of debate about how long you're dead. Dead time just happens. Just like lifetime just happens you know it's not three days and you're back and so on and so forth and again we take the view of how can we use it what can we do with it Mm -hmm. how can we we make things you know better (laughs) but because the underlying view is that the divine is here and we want to participate in here It's use it to participate in here. Use this process that we see as an inevitable process. Because there's nowhere that I know of in traditional witchcraft or other Northern European war that is how to stop reincarnating.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. There are ideas about it happens, you know, but it's not like a choice you pursue. No. And of course, I may be wrong. I don't know everything.
0: Never wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: would. I learn things by being wrong a lot.
0: <laughs> okay, we we'll have to, don't we? Um, it was actually an interesting question that came up a while back, and I can't remember where it was. Uh, how long does it take to from from the point of death to the point of rebirth or reincarnation? Mm. Um. And I don't think there's any definitive answer because when we die, we go into an area or a place or a realm where time is completely different and moves completely differently. Um, so, I mean, it could be the next day, yet that being has spent hundreds of years uh, in the other world. Um, you know? So, it's a bit difficult that one. And also, how do we communicate with the dead if... Oh, I I know the answer to that one. Uh,
1: That's why we did that whole necromancy thing.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: (laughs) Well, I think there's a lot of debate in every culture about what happens after you die and how long does it take. And one of the reasons for those is funeral rites. Um, If you're... Working is to do something with the bit that survives after death, whether that's to get them to the other side, to make sure they don't become a Draugr, to help them come back as a knowledgeable witch, to turn them into a familiar, whatever it is. You got to do it at the right time, obviously, mm. right? You got to time it so that their soul doesn't carry on to somewhere else and you lose the opportunity. Or there's still enough of themselves before they dissolve into the oneness of the universe, the cosmic soup, that you can grab them and and help them do something or, you know, lots of philosophies. But timing is really a question that comes up again and again and again. And there aren't any places that seem to all have the same answer. Mm -mm. (laughs) Everybody's like... It's three days. It's five days. It's seven days. It's forty-nine. It's one moon cycle. It happens with the next conjunction of the sun and Mercury. Only at in Only when you hear the wolves call. Only on a blood moon. You know, <laughs> it's like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: no, uh... <laughs> yeah. and and that also that other question of, uh, you know, when somebody dies, it, say they died a hundred years ago, you know. If they've reincarnated into a new life by now how can we communicate with them as the dead but right. we were just talking about uh, the cauldron the soup and so if they got placed into the soup and they got dissolved and all of their memories and everything got stirred around yeah they got picked out at some point with other memories other people but we can still communicate with the soup Yep.
1: <laughs> They're still imprinted into the suit. Yes. Um, so uh, this is from my childhood. and theoretically, I think it's Czech mythology, but um, not real sure. It might be Romani too. Um, but the idea was that when you died, you left all of your memories, your experiences and your skills over there the divine spark kind of went through and was washed repeatedly. And all of these layers of everything you accumulated in this life get washed off and into these various pools on the other side. And so pain and grief is in one, and skill is in one, and knowledge is in one, love is in another, so on and so forth. And then once you are completely washed clean, then there is the prospect for reincarnation. So you come back clean every time right but of course this wouldn't be a story if there wasn't some way to go over there and get to the pools right <laughs> and so there are techniques um magic techniques to go and drink from these pools and songs to sing that make sure that you're calling your own memories and pain and so on and so forth and not somebody else's but they're evil ways to get other people's stuff too it's just harder because there's no affinity there but you had to be very careful not to get hit by the waterfall or you'd it all be washed away and you'd forget why you were in the land of the dead and you'd just go on through and die and complete the cycle Mm -hmm. because it's a kind of a conveyor belt that's what people do Mm. you know so i don't know where i was going with that but just (laughs) another view of reincarnation but if you can if you can go back somehow and and get all the memories of a person, whether it's your own or someone else, you know, then you can you can still communicate even though they have reincarnated. Mm. And mm. here we come to what is a person? Is it their memories and their experience? Is it the inner divine sparks that animates them? You know, which which bits of soul count for what?
0: Yeah, no, true. Icky wicky timey wimey stuff again. Um, in my youth my early youth I was like 12, 13, 14 with the Lobsang Rampa books um, I remember a concept that he spoke of and recently heard somebody else speak of the same thing um, which I found quite interesting because it wasn't associated with Rampa at all because a lot of people consider Lobsang Rampa to be a fraud, but regardless Um, the concept was that when you die you go to a place that you imagine is death is heaven is whatever whatever you thought of of uh, heaven would be or the afterlife would be in life. you then go to that place and then you start to see sort of things out of place and things not matching and when you when you finally understand that this isn't actually real, then it all falls away. And then you go into the Hall of Memories, he called them, uh, where you relive your, your life. Uh, and then you can go on to understand if you completed your task in this life, if you learnt the lessons you were supposed to, and then you get assessed, and then you come back again. Um, and the, the person you come back as and the family you get born into and things like that are determined on whether you actually learnt your lessons and did or completed your task in the previous life then you come back and I've, I've heard somebody else talk about this recently um, totally unrelated to it but uh yeah that's, that's probably one of the first concepts I had when I was growing up of life and death and reincarnation
1: little one, little one says reminds me of conversations with God books mm. it reminds me of, of karma
0: <laughs> yeah yeah did you do your job did yeah. you learn your things? Did you learn your lessons? Yeah. Yeah. And
1: how well you learned your lessons and and understood them determines your karma for the next incarnation, mm. the next birth.
0: Yeah. But you know, interesting concepts.
1: Yeah. So, you know, we've got, how do you communicate with the dead if there is reincarnation? One is time moves differ- differently. So, um, even though they're over there and dead, because time is moving differently than here, they can be reincarnated in here too, Mm -hmm. or not dead yet, which is super fun. I love talking to dead me. Um, And then there is uh, imprints, memories and stuff stay over there. And that's what you can access, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, which is could kind of be like the Akashic Records.
2: Maybe,
1: yeah, yeah. um, but sometimes it's really nice to have something come by and put on the puppet and talk to you like it was grandma, you know, which might creep some people out, but then there's also, um, nobody goes anywhere else that mm. it's all still here. It's just changing forms. So energy is never created. or destroyed. It only changes forms. And that imprint, that will, that built-up power of identity and self remains here. And that's what we communicate with when we communicate with the dead.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We just conceptualize of it as the other side because it's, you know, a convenient filter like linear time.
0: That's very much an atheist point of view as well with the energy. Um, It disperses. It's not created or destroyed. It just disperses and goes on to create other things, and that yeah. that's, that reminds me of the of the soup. Mm-hmm. You know, we all go in. Yeah. The energy gets put in. All gets dispersed. All gets mixed together, and then chunks get taken out here and chunks get taken out there to form new things, which form new people. Yeah. Yeah. And then
1: I have to be a, a true traditional witch in select D, perhaps others.
0: Yeah
1: You know We don't know. We don't really know how it all works. I know that when I go to the hall of my ancestors I can talk to them. Mm. I know that when I call upon the mighty dead, some mighty dead show up. And you know, they the dead feel different than spirits. The dead feel different than demons. Mm. The dead feel different than gods. You know, so I'm, they repeatedly fit the category I call the dead people, Mm. you know, whether it's ancestors, beloved dead, mighty dead, whatever it is, whatever category that is. And lots of other traditions seem to use the same language, but we're also hitting at a mystery here that you have to experience to know, because it's very hard to put into words. We can, we can... Hedge it about as best we can, but still, right in the center is only experience.
0: Hmm. Should we even try and understand the concept of no reincarnation?
1: Well, uh, I think for a lot of people it's fairly simple because Christianity has a concept of no reincarnation. I know. It's born, live, die, perhaps hang out for a while, be judged, go somewhere. You know, and sometimes that hang out for a while is like in the ground. That's why um, they're so weird about not desecrating corpses or having science or figuring out stuff. They mm-hmm. have to keep bodies whole and mysterious, which like I don't know how decomposition works with all of that. I mean, if if you can if you can undo decomposition magically to resurrect the body, why can't you just put the arm back on? But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> so. And sometimes it is a soul or something else that goes somewhere and hangs out for a while. Sometimes that's like purgatory or bardo, the nothingness,
2: mm. and
1: sometimes it's heaven or hell. And then there's something after that, the resurrection and, and joining the mothership. I, I don't know. Christianity's weird. I try to keep track of it, but there's a lot of a lot of little things that a lot of branches. That go off in different ways. Well, I could just never, Settlement.
0: I could just n- never understand the idea that all of these people keep dying and going to heaven. I mean, it must get pretty damn crowded up there.
2: Yeah, all yeah. Down, well, all down to hell,
0: yeah. It's going to get crowded all, in both places.
1: Uh, well, exothermic reactions—if you're constantly adding souls—eventually, it's got to get hotter, which means that heaven and hell should both be creating massive amounts of heat
0: mm. wherever they mm. are. So yeah. all that friction as well.
1: But it does seem to be a very linear process in that birth leads to death leads to after death, Mm. you know, and some I've heard apologia explain that God is a constant source of creation and that's where all these new souls come from. Some I've heard explained that, like, there's a finite number of souls and eventually the water dripper thingy runs dry and no more souls.
2: Mm.
1: You know, and some I've heard, like, well, only we, the chosen ones, have souls, you know, some racist othering bullshit for excuses for being a bigot. To make other people not people. So, I, I don't know. To me, being in nature and observing things for a while... Stuff that dies has got to come back some other way. I mean, you know, vegetables (laughs) rot and turn into soil and worms eat them and then new things grow. Hmm. Is it exactly the same? No, but death has to be a transformation of some sort. But, you know.
0: That was actually an interesting concept in Buddhism. Um, I remember it came up a lot, was that there's a general const- or general idea that there are X amounts of souls and they just keep getting reincarnated or whatever we want to call it, reborn. Um, so if there are more people being born into the world and a population is growing, how is this possible? And what I understood it as was that because it's Buddhism, we can reverts back to being born as animals so a lot more people are actually becoming more spiritual aware they are and they are advancing more spiritually etc etc and therefore they the animals are now becoming the humans again um, and they they're evolving they are becoming more enlightened as they progress uh, that's why there are more people coming into the world and suppose less animals I don't know but that that's how I understood it anyway but I've heard that came up yeah
1: I've heard that in in New Age circles and New Age philosophy Mm. which to me implies that animals are less than humans
0: yes yeah it would which you know
1: goes along with ideas of karma and Buddhism and that sort of thing where that may come from Mm. but you know my my view is life makes life, you know, and life is ever increasing at an exponential rate. I mean, just think about a tomato plant, right? You plant one seed, you get a plant that grows, let's say it's a very unhealthy tomato plant that is in terrible conditions and only lives for like six months, grows maybe 20 fruiting bodies. Each fruit has about 600 seeds in it. So that's 1200 new potential lives from that one life, And that's replete in nature again and again and again. No, not everything does that mammals tend to be kind of a one for one replacement. But the vast majority of nature is is an exponential growth in life as it moves through generations and stages. So that has to lead us to why do we think the resources for producing life, if we think, you know, whether it's a soul or karmic energy or what, why would we consider that finite Mm. if we see this exponential growth in the production of life all around us?
0: Yeah. Yeah, very true. Um, Caleb said The Christian viewpoint of death Or at least my extended family's point of view Panicked me for a long time as a kid They tended to View heaven as one big ethno state In the sky And how was for everyone else Well I mean Christianity is based on fear uh, mm. oh, well, and
1: a And a delayed reward Christianity is a Future focused world view Where the rewards happen In the next life mm. So you know, everything can be put off for whatever the next life is and however that works.
2: No. Mm
0: Lillowin said,
1: maybe the population from another world is dying out. Mm. That reminds me of a uh, friend I had who was a Celtic witch and thought that all of the old races from the Isles, the the Finan and the Tuatha Dé Danann and everything else, were the original souls and because they couldn't remember and climb out of the soup anymore basically not the analogy they use they were being reincarnated as humans mm. and so were the fae and the elves and all of these other things that we had in our past that we don't have anymore that's what was happening
0: It's an interesting concept yeah mm-hmm. Very interesting. How come Lou, hey Lou, how come you moved over to Kai's channel? Doesn't he said the grass
1: is greener over on this
0: doesn't, side. Doesn't <laughs> work anymore. That's it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> YouTube is is sketchy. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll broadcast everywhere we can.
0: Yeah. All right. So. Yes.
1: Um, Dharma, we should talk about Dharma, which I think is the partner to Karma.
2: Mm-hmm even though well. it doesn't
1: fit, it doesn't fit the joke, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in Hindu interpretation, my understanding of darba is that it's like yasevia, which means actions in alignment with God's will. It's the the big
2: stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the big stuff up there beyond karma Mm -hmm. instead of daily deeds, you know, doing the right next thing. It's, uh, performing your true will to borrow a phrase. Um, but in Buddhism, my understanding is, is more like logos, the spoken Will of the universe of God—that is the big story, the big play out of what is happening.
0: So it's, just, it's basically the the evolved form of or the divine form of your personal karma, I suppose.
1: Right, and because it's <clears throat> it's the divine, it's the big thing, then it's something that we're all bound to in a certain way because mm. we're, we're teeny little ants, you know? Um, but we can enact within logos also.
0: So um, it's, a bit, it's a bit like this is Dharma and these are all little bits of karma.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: And and usually when I see it laid out it, with the five Niyamas, not the Niyamas from yoga, uh, the Niyamas from Buddhism, you know, utu is at the bottom, just physiological processes, and then there's variation on what happens in the middle three, and one of them is karma. Sometimes the middle one, sometimes the top one, and then the very top one is dharma,
2: mm.
1: because it's it's the big stuff <laughs> that we we don't necessarily understand unless we make a serious effort for it. You know, um, we go into a, a life of contemplation, or we study our own. Um, relationship to dharma and everything else it's not just day-to-day living um, or something that everybody pursues either so
0: that actually reminds me of an egregore though it's just what keeps coming to mind it's that egregore uh, which is, acts like a cloud over a group of people and uh, we feed into the egregore and the egregore feeds us and but that's there's that overall principle uh, within a group of people. just re- keeps reminding me of that.
1: Yeah. I think, interestingly enough, in, in Buddhist philosophy, maybe, hopefully, I'm not speaking out of turn here, um, that Dharma can be exercised by participating in contemplation of divinity. Mm. Because thinking about divinity is reaching for union with divinity is therefore part of the dharma that has been laid out for us to do and helps us achieve nirvana which results in you know getting off the wheel achieve union Mm -hmm. with divinity get off the wheel or decide to come back i mean the buddha decided to come back because he had more teachings to, to help people in suffering so it doesn't always have to be this linear train ride um yeah. you know you, you there can, are there are choices
0: you can now get off the wheel or do x y and z yeah
1: but um my understanding is that it was the buddha's dharma to come back and share with humanity how to be released from suffering because mm. he figured it out he did it you know he learned all of his lessons. He started as Siddhartha, and eventually became the Buddha and achieved enlightenment. And he said, I, "I, you know, I gotta go back. I gotta tell people how to do this."
0: Well, Caleb's got a question for you. Uh, astrologically, do you agree with the interpretation that the draconic star chart is your karma, and your birth chart is your dharma?
1: Nope.
0: Nope.
1: <laughs> um. <laughs> So, your birth chart. I would say, if we're gonna push those together, your birth chart is your karma, because it's personal and it's related to you. What you inherited, what you got, where you're going, what what your resources are, the people around you, um, the people that have major influences in your life, your partners, and your parents, and your children, and your siblings, and those sort of things. Um. I don't know what a draconic star chart is, perhaps um, uh, Venus rising or a sydney or something like that. I'm an old school astrologer, like pre-1500s old school. Um, I don't do much modern astrology, I've studied it, but it's not my thing. And so a lot of those um, modern astrological interpretations that involve things you can only see with a telescope, I don't use very often because I have more than enough techniques in Renaissance and Hellenistic and Medieval astrology to answer my questions. But, I don't think Dharma in the concept that it is up there in the, the divine level is something that we could encapsulate in an astrological chart, except perhaps if we could somehow chart the birth of divinity which some people have related to the birth of the cosmos, which would be like everything's all in a clump together. That's the beginning, (laughs) astrologically speaking, before the big bang, you know, um, like there are charts for the birth of Jesus Christ and the birth of Buddha and the birth of Muhammad peace be upon his name. And all those sorts of things that have these amazing, beautiful harmonics astrologically. Um, Of course, they're all backdated and and guessed at and reconstructed. But even those I don't think would fall into Dharma because they're still connected to a physical incarnation of a person. They might be very influential people that, you know, have a very blessed place. But I think Dharma is bigger than any one person. It's bigger than a nation even. So, I don't know that we could chart that somehow.
0: I suppose if it's, just, if it's divinity itself, then it would be bigger than the planet and the cosmos, well, the universe, etc, 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 so it envelops everything, yeah.
1: Now I'm sure there are some different ideas in Indian and Vedic astrology about dharma and karma and where that all is in the chart and how that all works i i don't practice vedic astrology so i i can't talk on that but the astrological tradition in india has been handed down for hundreds of generations at least and they got some seriously cool techniques and some scarily accurate techniques too so you know i would go looking down that route if you want to know about astrology and the intersections of Buddhist and Hindu concepts like karma and dharma. That's where I'm sure the field is very ripe. Mm.
0: There you go, Caleb. Got your answer, I think. Well, well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: An answer. Yeah, yeah. Which An is answer. all we can ask for around here. Yeah. <laughs> all
0: right. Anything you want to mention? Or shall we wrap up for today?
1: Well, I think all of this touches on the idea of cultural, um, not necessarily this is an appropriation. Well, it is if you're writing a book and telling people wrong ideas, but cultural rape, I guess. Don't go plucking things out of context. Mm -hmm. You know, we can absolutely learn from other cultures and concepts and other worldviews and other ways of looking at things. There's... You know, tons of things we can learn. But when we just pluck one petal off of the plant and then go show it to somebody and say, this is the essence of the rose, you know, it, we're losing so much context. And I think karma is a really good example of how that has happened. Yoga is too. In the West, when you say yoga, people think it's in like a, or exercise like aerobics or something that you would do at a gym.
0: Yeah, In fact, you I'm, know, I'm seeing more and more of that.
1: Right. And, and that is super weird to me. Mm. Super weird. But um, so, you know, study other things, but study in context. Look at the whole worldview. Look at the entirety of what it is. And if it's useful, if it teaches you something, if you can improve your own understanding of your worldview, even to go, ah, that's not for me. <laughs> like that whole getting off the wheel and not coming back here. I don't like that. At least you mm. figured out you know, that that's not your thing. And you know now. And you know that other people have ideas that are different. And other ways of looking at it. But just plucking out ideas and simplifying them. And taking them out of their cultural context. And taking them out of their worldview that they're rooted in. I don't think does anybody any favors. Mm. At all. You know, me just coming and saying karma is cause and effect, or worse, the law of three, doesn't help explain cause and effect, karma, or the law of three. Mm. You know? So, there's a lot of ways to look at a lot of things, and, and terms are tricky. Oh, super these, tricky.
0: Yeah, and I think these terms are very tricky. I mean, as I said, trying when I was looking into Buddhism, the, trying to understand the concepts, Um, very, very tricky. Um, And when you're looking at karma, karma has so many different levels to it. And so many, it's just, it's not just, you know, karma is, it's karma is this, 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 and this. Um, And you've really got to understand it uh, to actually know what what Buddhists are talking about. Um,
1: Worldviews, religions mythologies traditions they're interconnected there's a bunch of pieces that go together and rely upon one another Mm. you you know you you can't talk about karma without talking about reincarnation and samsara you can't talk about dharma without talking about concepts of divinity Mm. and whether they're here or there you know so you got to look at the whole picture you got to see everything that's connected together to get an understanding. You don't have to, you know, grok it all immediately and understand everything. But stuff removed from their context, I don't think, serve anybody's path.
0: Mm. Maybe we should have a discussion about Hyman's book one day. See, so you said grok just now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that has made it into to modern discourse i think and kept within its context sort of although there are people that use grok and know what it means without having read the book you
0: know yeah because yeah, it's actually i think it's actually become part of the english language mm-hmm. uh, you'll probably find it in the dictionary um but i remember i came across heinan's book uh if nobody knows what i'm talking about stranger in a strange land uh, go read that Heinlein. Um, but that was a big concept with Oberon Zell years back.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I it based
0: that. his whole philosophy around it. Um, yeah. Anyway, getting yeah. off track again.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> so, this show also kind of generally touches on um, blending disparate worldviews because we're talking about eastern worldviews and western worldviews we're talking about karma in paganism you know and those sorts of things and i wouldn't say that's forbidden at all nothing is forbidden everything is permitted um but it definitely isn't easy mm. and it's definitely not something to approach with a cavalier attitude because you will end up saying let's things like karma is the law of three um you know so if you're looking for something syncretic like that and some people would prefer syncretism to separated traditions in their practice you're going to have to take some time to really fully know both of the things you want to combine
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and if they even will combine Like we talked about Buddhism and traditional witchcraft. They have a fundamental difference in worldview at a couple of points. And they don't fit together well because of that. It would be very hard to make a syncretic traditional Buddhist witchcraft path. Mm. You know, without chunking off large chunks of one path or the other. Probably both. You know, and then is that really what it is? If it's not a a blend of two, if it's just bits and pieces. And the other thing I would say is, um, when somebody tells you what something is, like somebody tells you the definition of karma, take that and file it away, and ask like 50 other people.
0: Yeah. That's <laughs> because... no, true. That's true. Any concept. Mm-
1: yeah we all have our own ideas we all have our own definitions based on our experience and our understanding and i mean even lee and i's ideas are different about things you know how often does one of us say something the other one goes no i
2: don't
1: think that (laughs) and so you know the first definition you hear the first um way it's framed you hear isn't going to be the one that you decide to end up with and use And it doesn't have to be, and you can change your mind,
2: Mm.
1: you know, more information. It's the definition of intelligence, gaining more information and being able to make a new decision about what you know. So allow that to happen. I know early on in most witchcraft paths, Wicca, witchcraft, paganism, whatever, I hear people all the time, but what is the right way? You know? How do I do this? What is the right herb for this? What is the right candle color? Do I need this cauldron? Do I need this incense? And there's plenty of witches that have been practicing for a while that will go, there's no right way. Do what feels right. Well, if you don't know what feels right, it's hard to do that. But making that transition to a worldview that has a right way, to a worldview that has a works or doesn't work view can be kind of a rocky transition Mm. so i understand it's very hard to know what feels right and what works when you're new to things and you don't have that experience but allow yourself the opportunity to make mistakes and not know three things so that you can learn that experience and therefore learn what works and what feels right
0: and keep growing because that's that's a, a lot of people's problem is they they get stuck on they they come from one they come from a dogma and they go into something which has no dogma but they create their own dogma and they get stuck yeah. in it and then they just they cannot move past it and they don't grow uh, so keep questioning and if something doesn't make sense go and read the same thing from 10 different people and see if one of them clicks uh somebody somewhere along the line somebody's going to make sense to you how they explain if
1: you were if you were raised in a dogmatic tradition that had authority that could tell you what was absolutely true there's a kind of surety in that yeah truth is absolute there is one truth it is absolute you don't have to question it because the authority figure told you what it is and a lot of times we don't realize that we leave that world to another one and go where's the authority figure what's the absolute truth? Mm. Because we want that surety, we want that ease that was there. in, you know, the previous understanding and not everything is dogmatic. And you can't, you can't go asking for it when it's not there. Um, and don't make it up either and by that i mean don't decide that this person or this author or this website is the authority figure and therefore whatever they say is absolute truth Mm -hmm. i see that a lot very very frequently sometimes from people who have set themselves up as authority figures but way more often from people um, that just assume and decide that so-and-so is an authority figure and therefore everything they say is gospel truth and then when it doesn't work out they get very disillusioned you yeah. know and really really try not to do that it, yeah. it's a easy trap to fall in but it's not it's not going to help anybody out in the long run and it's definitely not going to help your witchcraft
0: mm. uh, Caleb said thank you and uh, for the answering the uh, astrological question. And Useless useless Familia has just joined us. (laughs) (laughs) You are late. Very late. Very, very late.
1: Very, very late. You can have the white rabbit
0: costume for the day, right? I I dressed up as as the white rabbit once. I think it was my mother's birthday. uh, 80th birthday, I think. I was the white rabbit in the limousine. <laughs> <laughs> alright then okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, on that note a, I dressed um, alright then thank you for joining us and thank you Yusuf Familia for joining us uh, better late than never I suppose um, next week we are going to talk we are doing the definitions next week aren't we
1: you said tools next week. Oh, sorry. And definitions the week after.
0: Okay, sorry. We are going to be talking about traditional witchcraft tools generally. Uh, in the future, we'll start breaking them down and um, go a bit more in depth into each one. But uh, we're going to have a look at the tools generally in traditional witchcraft, and uh, then we'll see you there. So, if you haven't joined the Wildwood Temple Facebook group. Uh, please do so. You'll you'll love it because it's a community of like-minded people, just like us. Um, if you would like to learn more about tarot, cartomancy, demonology, magic, witchcraft, etc., 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 and actually get personal instruction from either one of us, then you can sign up for a membership at Buy Me a Coffee or become a patron patron at Patreon. Uh, links will be in the description. I will double check. And, uh, so we will see you all next week. Oh, wait, I've got to switch off because I'm, I'm controlling the (laughs) site. Almost forgot again. (laughs) All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you all. See you next week. Cheerio. Thank you for joining us today in the Black Hat Chat. Have a look in the description of this podcast or in the about section for all of our links and tune in next week for another exciting chat.